Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Great. Great to have you here with us. A couple of announcements. Who here likes cars? Who here has a car? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, if you like coffee and or cars, we would like you to kind of join us out here on Saturday. We're going to have our front lawn available for folks to have bring their cars out. Uh, you know, like you would see if somebody's been to Dur Dutchman when they have like these car things, right, where the people show up with their good-looking cars and stuff. Now, it wouldn't be my car would be out there, but uh, I know there are some of the church that have some of those, or motorcycles too, I believe, is also as an option. So, um, so it's something we're trying. I think it'll be fun. Uh, so come and just hang out, see what uh, kind of cars show up, what kind of motorcycles show up, and uh, get to hang out uh, with some of uh, the church folks here. And if you have a neighbor or a friend or somebody that um, you know would be interested in something like this, or they have a car or motorcycle they would like to, uh, to bring, let them know. Invite them. It's a, it's a good opportunity. So that's this Saturday, uh, 8 to 10. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention is that uh, one week from today will be our first uh, Summer Sunday picnic. So um, if you would like to join us after the service uh, right here outside in this little tree grove right here, we'll have uh, uh, some places to sit. Uh, you could bring a lawn chair if you would prefer, but we'll have some of the, the folding chairs out there if you want. And uh, you can bring your lunch with you, or you can go and get something afterwards and bring it back. Uh, we're going to have some uh, group games that should be some fun for people that want to participate. Uh, bring some sunscreen, because I haven't seen much rain in the, in the forecast, so uh, it's always a good idea anyway. Um, but anyway, so this uh, next Sunday, and also just be thinking about that in your regular calendar, second and fourth Sunday of the month, that's when we're having these. Um, and so that's, that's all we have for uh, the announcements today. So uh, our, the passage today, as we go into uh, this passage in Luke, and actually, by the way, we're not going to cover the entire passage today, 22 to 39. We're going to, uh, there's actually two miracles that occur uh, in this passage, this bigger passage. Today, we're actually going to just cover uh, Jesus calming the storm. And so this would be kind of like a two-parter. Um, but uh, when I think about this passage that we're going to look more at today, I just think about, you know, what are the things that you struggle with and I struggle with that really cause us a lot of concern, that, you know, we're, we're fearful of, we're, we worry about things that consume a lot of our, uh, our minds, our thoughts. I'm sure there's probably something that comes to mind that when you think about, you know, what do you tend to worry about? Or what is your current, is there a circumstance right now that you are encountering a trial maybe? Um, uh, you know, maybe you're, you're looking for a job or you're really having trouble uh, with one of your children is, is particularly challenging right now and you don't know what to do. And so these are things that can really make, make us anxious and fearful and uh, we can get really focused in on uh, in, focused in on the problem, which you know we do want to try to solve problems that we encounter, but some things are beyond our control, aren't they? Um, I, I found out at the end of the day I couldn't make you know I, I my my kids uh, at least when they were young.
Okay. All right. Sorry, everybody here. Uh, yeah, so let me rewind that. Yeah, so just talking about things that cause us to be anxious or worried, because that, that relates to what we're talking about today in the passage. And, um, you know, for some it might be a family matter, for some it might be a medical diagnosis, for some, and, the, and these are literally, many of these things are beyond our control. Uh, uh, and so, and, and there are some of them, some people might consider to be small things, some of them are really big things. But uh, regardless of what you're facing, um, we just need to know our Savior. We need to know who Jesus is and know him personally because he's going to be the one that's going to help us through, ultimately. And so um, um, this morning, let me just pray, and then we'll get into this passage here. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you, God, for um, your presence with us this morning, and we ask that you would... um, Fill us up with your spirit. We ask that you would uh, give us um, an attentiveness in our own spirit, Lord, that we might be leaning in to hear from you, God, this morning. We do want to lay um, the things that are consuming our thoughts, Lord. We want to lay them at your feet this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you... You care about the things that we're concerned about. Thank you that you are not far removed from us and have no have no care at all about what we're going through. But but you do care, and Lord, we want to lay those at your feet this morning, casting all our cares upon you, because you do care for us, Lord. We want to remember that, and God. We also just want to pray for people here that are. Um, fighting disease, Lord, who are sick. We just pray for your healing power to be upon them. We pray them for, we pray that you give them strength for endurance and that um, they would know you uh, even more intimately through that particular trial. And Lord, we just pray also, Lord, for um, any people that we know who have wandered from you, who are who are not... Um, not walking the narrow path with Jesus. And Lord, we just pray um, that you would do whatever you need to do to bring a prodigal back. Lord, we just ask and pray that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you're able to stand, why don't you go ahead and stand uh, as I read here this short passage here uh, in Luke 8, verses 22 to 25. It says, one day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let, let us go across the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. So we're going to focus on this morning here, just the fact that Jesus reigns over the natural world. 
Jesus reigns over the natural world. And um, you may be familiar, maybe you're not, but that Jesus was involved in creating everything, right? And so wouldn't it stand to reason that as we see displayed in this passage that Jesus actually has control over the natural world? And, um, and he, he demonstrated that. Before we dive a little deeper into that truth and all that that implies, isn't it interesting, though, that you see that Jesus here, he needed sleep, right? He needed sleep. And, and you may think, well, duh, but, you know, some people just think about Jesus as being God, divine, right? But that uh, we also need to realize that he had two natures. He has, he has a divine nature. He has a human nature. And that human nature aspect to Jesus requires sleep, just like you and I do. And so uh, I just thought that's something that we would typically maybe just read right over there. But you need to know that we have a Savior who's fully human and fully God. Okay, fully human and fully God. And I want to read something to you. Um, again, I, I never, you just never know what everybody knows. So I want you to realize that... Um, uh, the church, capital C, over the years has wrestled with how this all works, okay? Um, and uh, I, I think nobody knows exactly how uh, a person could be fully human and fully God, but I would say, uh, based on Scripture, uh, this is a pretty decent statement about what we know, um, and so it says, the historic Christian understanding of the person of Christ is that he is one person who possesses two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. Each nature retains its unique properties, and the two natures remain distinct, though inseparably, inseparably united in Christ's person. Now, that's interesting, isn't it, that they're distinct natures? It's not like, you know, you mixed them all up or something like that, but they're distinct uh, natures, but united in one person. It says, thus, according to his divine nature, as the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God is omniscient, om uh, omniscient, omnipotent, and so forth. According to his human nature, the incarnate Christ needs to eat food to survive, grows in knowledge, and so forth. And so, it's it's a mystery. But when we read the scriptures, we see both of these things: his divine nature and his human nature, okay? And so here we have that stated here. And um, the book of Hebrews dials in, in chapter 4, um, how this is really a comforting word for us, that we would have a Savior who is fully human, right? Take a look at these verses here. Um, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, it says, Since then we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, a uh, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know, it is important for us to realize that though Jesus was fully human and he was tempted, as it said here, he, he was sinless. He was sinless, okay? Um, but 
Isn't it encouraging that uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He can sympathize with the fact that we are tempted and that He came through victoriously and, uh, and did not succumb to temptation. That, that, but He can relate. He can relate. You, have, you don't have some Savior who, is, who, who cannot identify with your own struggles. And because he was in a human body and he had a human nature. And so uh, that, should, that should encourage us. Now, you know, I think it's important for us as Christians to realize that, you know, we can't really give any ground on this whole thing that he's fully God and fully man, okay? Uh, we can't, you know, uh, because some have. Some having to say, well, he was a man. He was, he was just a man like anybody else. He lived, he died, you know, but instead a great example, he did some spectacular things. Now, it, it's important um, to the Christian faith that he be both. And, and not just because somebody made that up, but because that's what the Scriptures tell us. And I want to just mention a couple of things here, um, uh, why it's important for, say, for example, for Jesus to be uh, a real man, an actual man, and to be a righteous man, okay? it's important. So let's talk about his humanity just for a minute. I'm just going to be reading from a document here that mentions some things about it. It says, he must be a true man because the justice of God requires that the same human nature which has sinned should pay for sin, okay? So it'd be like, you know, we need to have, a, there needs to be a human who dies for humans, you know, from, from, to identify with the human race, okay? And he must be a righteous man. In other words, he has to be sinless because uh, one who himself is a, a sinner cannot pay for others, right? How could he pay for our sin if he was not sinless, right? And, and so I think it's just important for us to realize that this is not just some small little thing. Uh, this is an important thing that we we accept that Jesus was fully human, right? He had to be a man so he could he could identify with us and suffer in our place and sympathize with our weaknesses. That was critical. Now he had to be God. Why did he have to be truly God also? Well, so by the power of his divinity, he might bear the weight of God's wrath, right? No human being is going to sit there and be able to take the wrath of God, but um, deity could, right? So Jesus had to be truly God so he could satisfy God's wrath and secure for us a true righteousness and life, okay? So this is important. All right, so he needed sleep. He, he had a human nature. He can, we can, we, he can sympathize with the stuff that we go through but yet he didn't sin. No, actually, the last verse there, I didn't read it there in Hebrews, says, and so, you know, let us, as a result, because he, is a, he can sympathize with our weaknesses, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Um, I would think from a human standpoint, when we know we have a Savior who can sympathize with us, it even begs us to want to come to him, right, knowing he can identify. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love that verse, that verse, because it says, you know, you got a time of need, you know Jesus as Savior, you come to him. 
and he's got mercy, and he's got help for you in your time of need. I mean, this is a promise, a promise for all believers, right? He's saying, he's saying this to us. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, and, you know, God's going to give you what you need, right? He's going to give you the help that you need, the grace that you need. But let's not think this some little thing, that prayer is just like something you just kind of throw up there. You know, the prayer is us talking to God, and this is a means that God has provided for us that as we call out to him, and as this verse says, we're going to receive something back. We're going to receive the help we need. There's something unique and special about a Christian praying to God. Now, um, we see in verse 24, right, as these, uh, and by the way, you realize the fact that these guys, some of these guys are, are probably, you know, um, professional fishermen. We don't know exactly who was in the boat, but you might presume that, because we know that some of the disciples were fishermen, that there's a good chance that some of those fishermen were in this boat. You know, if the fishermen are freaking out, you need to be freaking out. Okay? If they're out in the boat like that, and they're like, you know, this is a bad one. You know, uh, but they are they are very worried. They're taking in water, right? They're taking in water, and uh, they say, "Master, Master!" In verse twenty-four, we are perishing. You know, we're going to die out here, and he's down there sleeping. And it is quite the the comparison, isn't it? Or quite the contrast, if you will. Like Jesus is asleep; he's resting in this storm, and they're freaking out. They're freaking out. I would be freaking out. You would probably be freaking out, um, worried about it. But uh, it, it just reminds us that, you know, and these guys here, they, they've they seen Jesus do miracles up at this point, right? We've, as we've been going through Luke, they've seen him heal people, right? I mean, they it's not like they haven't seen him do amazing things. Now, they haven't come to fully, fully come to terms with who he really is, you know, because they even ask the question here, who is this that can do these kinds of things, right? But but they've seen some, him do some amazing things, right? They, they, they know that the power of God is on him. But, but yet in the current crisis, they're having a memory loss. They're forgetting who they're with. They're with the guy that did those things, right? That healed those people, that did those miracles. And a lot of times we're no different. We're prone to forget what the Lord has done for us in the past when we're faced with a crisis in the present, right? And that's, that's, that's our humanness sometimes. We, we're just, you know, depending on how serious the situation is, um, right, it can just, um, it can really just take everything out of us, right, in terms of it's, it's, it consumes us, right, consumes us with worry, when we're in a crisis. And um, now, you know, our faith has to be more than what God has done in the past. Okay? You think about your life. If you, have, if you put your faith in Jesus, he's your Savior, right? Um, and, 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 and maybe you've seen some, him do some stuff in the past in your life, and you would give testimony to that, and that's wonderful. But we can't just stay living in the past. Our faith has to mean something now. It has to come to bear with what's happening now, right? And yes, look back to what he's done. 
let that remind you of his faithfulness, right? That he is faithful. But our faith can't just be like stories from old. Our faith uh, needs to have current things that we're trusting him for, current things we're believing him for, right? Now, I'm just asking you that this morning, not for a raise of hands, but I just want you to think, what is it right now that, that has you um, just consumed with concern or worry? What is it right now you need to trust God for? Yeah, and think back. You can think back. It's fine to, th- to the things that he's come through for you in the past, right? And, and, but you bring that forward to the now, and you look to the promises of God, and you, tr- and you, and you firmly plant your faith on those promises. Uh, maybe, uh, and I was thinking about, like, in their situation, they had his presence. They had the presence of the Lord with them, right? Well, don't we have the presence of the Lord with us as believers? We've got the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and that's what Jesus told his disciples. Listen, I, I know it's, you guys are going to be sad that I'm going to go away, as he tells them, uh, in a future time when we get through in Luke. But he's like, but I'm doing this for your good, because then he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Spirit with us. We have really the presence of Jesus with us through the Holy Spirit, right? And so knowing that he's with us and knowing what he's done for us in the past and knowing his promises that he has made, you remember what he said there in Matthew, at the end of Matthew? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord Jesus says, I am with you through the Holy Spirit, and I won't leave you. I won't leave you, you know. And we may have times when, when we don't feel the presence of God because something is happening in us, maybe. But that doesn't negate the truth that he's there for the believer, okay? So, and that sometimes that, that's, that's what you just have, that's it. You can't feel anything else. Everything else is so overwhelming. You just have to, you just have to keep saying, I know the Lord's with me. Right? I know he's going to help me through this, whatever it is. But, but it is easy, and we do need to remind ourselves, and this is why it's so important for the verses that say encourage one another, right? Pray for one another, right? Because when your strength in, in, in faith is waning and you're weak in the knees spiritually, you need somebody to help you up so that you won't fall. You need other believers who are going to remind you of the promises of God in a good way, not in a, they're beating you up because, oh, how are you not believing this? No, in a way to encourage them, right? We need to encourage one another, as it says in the scriptures, day after day, as long as it is called today. We need that, you know? And it's encouraging, like, just to, just to know that, you know, when you're here, when you come to church, to, to this worship gathering, or you're in a small group, you're acknowledging that need. You're acknowledging that you need other believers around you. You need them to help you when your faith is weak, and they need you. That's the thing. You know, sometimes we, we, we're ready to acknowledge that we need help, but sometimes we will say like, well, Maybe I'll, I don't really need to be around the other believers because I'm doing fine now. No, but you kind of forgot, well, they need you. 
They need your presence. They need your encouragement, right? They need your gifts uh, involved in their lives, their spiritual gifts. So, so just we have to remember that you know when 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 the crisis comes, when the challenging things that challenge our faith come, the storms of life, if you will, um, that we have to remember that um, we might be prone to forget. So we need to remember the promises of God. Remember that the Lord is with us in those times. Now, everybody here probably has a car that has one of the little um, things that you can turn the alarm off with, right, or or arm the alarm or lock your car, right? Most people that have a car have one like that. I went, you got an old, man, okay, let's break into his car. Now we can. Okay, gotcha, yeah, yeah. So, except for him, everybody has one of those things. But it, but have you ever done the uh, thing where if your car has like a little um, alarm and you, and, you, and you you press it by accident and it's going off, you know, and, and, and for me it's happened right, right in my garage before, and I'm like, whose car alarm's going off? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why, you know. But it's, isn't it a powerful thing that you can just like, Quiet, yeah. Is that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. As long as the battery's working, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's some power. Okay, well, just imagine you're in that boat with the disciples. You're waking Jesus up, and he just says, "Be still," and it's just calm. I mean, that's like the little car thing times a billion. I mean, that's just like, I mean, just imagine how amazing that would be. We've never, I've never experienced anything like that, ever. But Jesus spoke a word. He spoke a word to the wind and the waves, and the storm stopped. And it just you know, and if, you, if you've grown up in the church and you've read these accounts, you know, it can get familiar. But may God remind us of how amazing it is that Jesus could speak a word and could con- completely control what was happening in the natural world. In this case, a storm. In this case, a storm. Now, I don't know if you remember, but as we've been going along in the book of Luke, we've been encountering all these little things, these miracles where people are healed. And then another time where Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And people are just saying, you know, who is this guy? Who is this man? And he's getting quite a resume, you know, can heal people at will. You know, he can, he can, um, it's just, You know, they're amazed. And here's just another example, this time in the natural world. A storm. Boom. Calm. And it really does speak to his identity. Um, Why do we say that? Why would this particular miracle speak to his identity? Well, you have to know uh, some of the Old Testament here, or, or to think about when people at this time, would have been thinking, you know, who controls the weather? 
Who controls the weather? Who controls the natural world? Um, Let's take a look here at Psalm 107. Psalm 107, verse 23 to 30. Let me just read it for you. It's up here. Um, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. And they mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' ends. Here, they're in a storm, right? They're on a boat in a storm. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Now, this is no accident, you guys, that this is here in Psalm 107. The last verse says, Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. I'm telling you, when Jesus did this miracle, he's showing I'm God. I'm the Lord. I'm that one who stilled the stars back there in Psalm 107. And then in Psalm 89, Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9, listen to this. Lord God of hosts, who is, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Again, just these are just examples, but you know, Jesus, by doing this miracle, is really testifying and demonstrating he's God. He's divine. Because that's definitely who they would have associated. Who could do this? Only God could do this. Only God can do this, right? He calmed the winds, right? Um, and so this is again. Here we have in the same passage a demonstration that Jesus is human and Jesus is divine. He's the guy that was asleep in the boat because he needed sleep, and he is the guy who could command the elements to obey him. That is our Savior. It's important that we realize that's who he is. And, of course, um, in verse 25, right, Jesus says something to them. Let me remind us of what he says. He said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And where is your faith? It really is another way of just saying, remember who it is who is with you. Remember, I'm the guy that did those other things. But he's also just showing them a new aspect of who he is, right? He's revealing himself to them. Now, I think this whole situation of, of him uh, challenging their faith is you got to realize, you know, how did this, how did these, this, you know, we're looking at one, two, three, four verses. How did this all start? One day he got in a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. Jesus says, we're going on a trip. 
We're going to go to the other side. Those were his words, weren't they? We're going to go to the other side. So why are you doubting in the middle of a storm? I said we're going to the other side. We're going to get there. But yeah, there's going to be some storms in between. And I just think, you know, in a way, he's saying, when you come to know him, hey, we've got a destination. We're going somewhere. And there will be some storms that you will encounter. But just remember, I promise we're going to get to the other side. We're going to make it there because I'm with you. But it is easy to forget, right? We we, we shouldn't, we, we have to be careful to not let fear overtake us. But we need to cling to Jesus. I mean, it is a good thing they went to Jesus in the boat. It's a good thing they woke him up. You know, that's, a, that's the one thing they did well. They was like, oh, let's go ask Jesus. You know, let's tell him we're about to die. But this is just a good reminder for us to cling to Jesus, right? To cling to Jesus. Uh, not be so focused on that which is overwhelming us. And I'm not saying there aren't some things that we will have to deal with as we go through the trial that we're in. No, there are things that we'll have to do. But let our priority and the major focus of us being clinging to our Savior, clinging to Jesus, letting him be our focus. Right? Remember when Peter walks out of the boat onto the water, right? And he was just, you know, as long as he kept his focus on the Lord Jesus, he was staying afloat, right? It's when he started looking at everything else, then he starts sinking, right? And I think the same thing goes for us now, right? As you think about your challenges of faith right now, those things that came to mind when I said, what are you worried about right now? Maybe it's something with you that you're facing. Maybe it's someone that you dearly love that you're worried for. I don't know. But you got to remember, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, right, he's promised that he's going to get you to the other side. He's promised that he's going to get you to the destination. Now, we do know, right, that in that whole process, right, um, the book of James does tell us that there will be trials, right? There's going to be testings of faith. Like it says in James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, right? When God kind of rocks the boat of your life a little bit to see if you're going to trust him and, and, and to help increase your trust and faith in him, He's building steadfastness because he knows there's probably bigger storms coming and that our foundation, uh, our faith in him uh, needs to be shored up. Verse 4, James 1, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. That's just a... Uh, that perfect and complete is kind of the same thing. That He's trying to make us mature. He wants to make us mature so that we can be more like Jesus. 
And this is what he says. He says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfectly lacking in nothing. And isn't it great, though, that when we're in the trial, he, he tells us um, in verse 5 of James to ask for wisdom. Have you thought, thought about that in James as you're in the trial, right? Ask for wisdom. And a lot of times I'm asking, uh, Lord, what am I supposed to learn here? Can you show me what I'm supposed to learn? I think about um, sometimes in the in the math classroom. It always comes back to math. You realize this, right? okay? Uh, in the math classroom, how many times? Sometimes I can tell they don't say these words exactly, but sometimes my students say, "Just, just." They want me to do it for them, like you know. Just I don't want to understand it. Just, just do it, or like I, I want to just like mimic you. I don't want to know understand everything that's behind it. Right, and and uh, the one of the one of the classes that I teach is designed so that you can't get away with that. You have to wrestle with it. You'll have to work through it, and I'll be there guiding you a little bit. But I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm going to ask you the questions that will get you to the answers. Okay, that's a whole different thing. And the Lord sometimes is not going to give us the answers. We can ask for wisdom, okay? And he does say he'll give it, but maybe the wisdom is, you just got to trust me. That might be the wisdom. You might say, well, um, we don't know how this is going to work out, but you're just going to have to trust me. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So these guys were in the trial of their lives at that time in the boat. And they're reaching out to Jesus. So, let me just end with this. So Jesus is aware of every kind of trouble that you're in. Okay, now, we may know that up here, but you need to know that in here. Jesus is fully aware of every kind of trouble that you're in right now. He knows it. And I'm sure Jesus knew the storm was going on when it was asleep. He knew that was going to be on the itinerary. And so, look to Jesus in your circumstances, right? Now, listen, his answer, when you look to him, his answer may be relief. He may eliminate the situation altogether. He can do that. He can. But his answer may just be endurance. Get that? Like when we go to the Lord and we take our troubles to Him, He may move the mountain, or He may say, "I'm going to help you over." Right? I mean, that's an answer. Sometimes it's not the answer we're looking for. He's like, "I'd rather have the mountain moved than to trek over it and all the troubles that will come as I go over it." Right? But as the Lord, as long as the Lord's with us. He'll be helping us each step of the way. So his answer in our prayer to him in our sickness may be healing. He may answer your prayer for healing. But it may also be courage to face the sickness for his purpose. Either way, he's with us. Either way, he's faithful. 
is this to whom the wind and the waves obey? It's our Lord. It's the one that we know. We put our faith in him for the forgiveness of our sins. This is our God. This is our Savior. He's with us. And he wants us to know that he can be trusted and that he doesn't want our fears to consume us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful. Grateful for this testimony of what happened to the disciples. And you did just what you said. You took them to the other side, as we'll see in our next story. They got to the other side. It looked pretty bad for them at some point, but you knew what was going on. Lord, help us to, as we follow you, as we as we want to do your will in our lives and as we as we have trials we encounter difficult things help us to trust you help us to to keep looking to you to ask for wisdom also to know that the trials have a purpose they're to make us complete lacking in nothing in our faith they're to build endurance and steadfastness of faith Lord, thank you that when we fail the test, you're still there too. When we doubt, you're still there with us. Lord, I just pray that whatever trials and difficulties and concerns are in this room right now or with those watching online, Lord, we just, I just pray that you would give us all a greater sense of your presence and help. And even in the midst of the storm, Lord, of, of that we're encountering, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to experience a peace that comes from your Spirit. And, and, and help, us, help our minds not to race ahead, as mind often so does, but let us sit in your presence, like it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. We we just sometimes we need a moment, Lord, to just be still and to acknowledge you're in control. To say by faith, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I know you're in control. I don't know the end of this, how this will turn out, but I trust you. Lord, help us all to, to live in that place of faith, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.